Amen. I can't think of any other place and other, any other people I'd rather celebrate the end of 2018 with than this group of people right here. Amen. Amen. It is my honor and my privilege. Now, I've not got the opportunity to do this. Usually, he's introducing me or I'm introducing somebody else. But I want to say, I got saved under Pastor Mayo's and Sister Mayo's ministry about 17 years ago. I came in, a little kid from the hood. Still got some hood in me, so be careful. Hallelujah. But I came in, and God absolutely radically changed my life. And I'm going to tell you, it would not have been there if it wasn't for my pastor and his wife. And I love you here today, and I give you a double honor. Amen. And it is my great privilege, my great honor to invite you to come preach to this, this wonderful group of people. Pastor, take your liberty. We got all night. We got all year. Go ahead and preach to us. Everybody say, God bless you. Preach the word. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. One more time, let's lift our hands and give him real praise. Genuine praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Let's worship the Lord as Sister Mayo sings. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands in worship and we magnify your name. You deserve the glory and all of the honor. Lord, I lift my hands in worship and I magnify your name. You are great. You do miracles so great. There is no done for you in this last year. You deserve the glory and the honor for bringing me through. Lord, I lift my hands in worship and I magnify your name. You deserve the Love him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Well, this is this is a special night uh, in more ways than one for myself and my wife. And uh, we honor your pastor and his lovely wife. And you are a blessed people. You are a blessed people. And uh, not, only, not only is uh, Sister Mayo and I very proud of your pastor, but there's an entire congregation that, um, you know, wherever people go that come out of our congregation, there's a bit of that congregation, their life 
their prayers, their dedication, their friendship, their fellowship. There's a piece of that that goes with them. And so we, we honor this man of God and, uh, and his lovely wife. And it's great to be here. Man, I love what I feel here. I love what I feel here. It's rich. It's rich. It's rich. It's rich. It's great to have my wife here uh, with us. And uh, yes. Now, if I don't if I don't party in the new year with you guys tonight, please let me off the hook. I've been preaching every night uh, since last Wednesday, except Saturday, and I am. He's you know, getting too old for that. Well, I'm 64, and I can still whip some devils. But don't 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 be thinking that don't be thinking that I'm going to lay down and just let the devil waller all over me. Hallelujah. With that being said, I am aware of my limitations more than I probably have ever been in my life. But it is an honor to be here. Thank you for the accommodations, the hospitality, the the, the basket in our room is big enough for Moses and Jacobet. Both of them can get in there. And uh, we just thank you. And it's just really a blessing to, to be here tonight. Hallelujah. A lot has been said already about what God has done in 2018. But in prayer and in meditation, I really feel to bring something that's going to be futuristic and something that is going to be engaging and very relevant to our future. So I'd like to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. And then we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and read a couple verses of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 32 says this. Of course, the Apostle Paul writing, If after the manner of men I have fought with the beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Now, he's making this a rhetorical statement. But what I really want to focus on the fact that even though he's writing to the church at Corinth, he is referring to an experience that he had when he was in Ephesus. If after the manner of men I have fought with the beasts of Ephesus. And now Second uh, Timothy Chapter number four. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 14. This is a reference to the exact same thing that he just referred to, but he's making it a little bit more personal here. Verse number 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works. Of whom be thou where or aware also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Now, biblical expositors, historians, and commentators might question the link between the two passages, but you'll understand that they are directly tied together. I want to talk to us about the beast of Ephesus, challenging situations and spiritual breakthroughs. The beasts of Ephesus, challenging situations and spiritual breakthroughs. There is a divine equation in every city and in every revival. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's pray together by the authority of the name of Jesus. Would you lift your voice with us? And let's pray that God would make this personal, subjective, applicable, not just to us, but the people of God, the dynamic the momentum of this congregation. 
and the great plan of God that God has in store for this congregation to influence not just this city. We won't fail to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. Father, we pray for the spearhead of revival, end time, authentic, genuine apostolic revival to emanate, to emanate from this place. We won't fail to give you the praise and the glory. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, this is not where we're going to start, though. We are going to start in Acts chapter number 16. I hope that uh, you will enjoy somewhat, at least initially, or somewhat of a Bible study because you're not going to have a midweek service. So we're going to try to get it all in tonight in Jesus' name. But, you know, to really, to really put together a mosaic uh, instead of just sound bites of Scripture, but begin to piece according to the Holy Ghost a mosaic of Scripture to give a clear picture, oftentimes we have to bring different voices together. Really where we want to start is in Acts chapter number 16 and in verse number 6. And the Apostle Paul says, Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Verse number 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, you perhaps many of us here tonight, if not all of us, have read some of these scriptures. And we just take them at face value, but there really is something powerful and profound that is really taking place here. The Apostle Paul is nowhere near Macedonia when we go into Acts chapter number 16. He is in Galatia. Galatia is, um, in archaic terms, is geographically um, north of where we would find Turkey. When the, Bible, when the Bible uses the word Asia, it is not talking about Mongolia or India or China or the Orient or the Far East. It is talking about Asia Minor. And so the Apostle Paul here is saying that they, because they're connected, they're there, they're within, they're within walking distance of moving into an area that had never yet heard the preaching of the Word of God. It was virgin territory. But the Holy Ghost forbade them to go into Asia. Now, as a student of the Word of God, I've always been puzzled by this because I'm a believer of the Great Commission, that we should go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I think, man, if you're right next door and you got the time, why don't we go over and preach to them? But this teaches us something about the methodology and the sequence of revival. Okay? Uh, that's why this is important, because there is, there is a sequence to having great regional revival. Okay? You're going to you are going to turn this city upside down. It's already happening. It's already happening. The seeds have already been planted far beyond these four walls and as the rings of a tree as that tree continues to grow out, God is going to continue to add people sequentially to the move of God in this city. But what we are also interested in is what God is going to do to affect this region. The difference between, and I was making a reference to this a little bit earlier, the difference between an, an, um, an organizational man-made boardroom approach demographic revival to an Acts chapter 2 apostolic revival is God always first sends a man. 
And that man will raise up other men. And as he raises up other men, it will affect that region. For example, we, my wife and I, uh, went to Spokane a little over 20 years ago, 24 years. I'll be 25 in May, actually. And we had never been to Spokane before. I did not know any human being in that area. I'd never been there in my life. But God spoke to both my wife and I to go there. In the last two and a half years, we've started four daughter works. And fifth, if you want to talk about Missoula, Montana. And that's because when it is a divine placement, when it is truly divinely wrought of God, it is something that has intentions to move beyond. Like there was Jerusalem, there was Samaria, there was Caesarea, and it was the other most parts of the world. It was a rippling effect. That is exactly what God is doing in the 21st century. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. But we have to accept God's methodology. It may not always be approvable from the boardrooms and the demographic studies of our modern sociological world. But God is outside this world. God doesn't need a chart. God doesn't need a demographic. God doesn't care about what kind of industry is in the area. There's human beings there. And that's what God cares about. And so the Apostle Paul is forbidden to go into this massive area known as Asia, even though he was just north of this. And while he ponders this, God always, when God says, wait, God always offers another door. You're seeing that in apostolic terms here. God is forbidding him to go forward, and then almost immediately he is given a dream of a man that is hundreds and hundreds of miles away in Macedonia. Well, Macedonia is north of Greece. So he has to completely leave the geographical region that he's in to obey the will of God. Hallelujah. Don't give up on people in your family. Go win somebody else. And when it's God's timing... You have to win some people before you can win other people. Like the rings of a tree. Somewhere in the rings of, of that tree in the growth of this church, God has a millionaire or two he wants to bring in here. God has some people, maybe a sheriff, a policeman, somebody on the city council, maybe the mayor. You don't believe that? I do. I believe that. I believe God's got all kinds of people that he wants to bring into here. Let's clap our hands all over this place. I know it's going to happen. I prophesy to you it's going to happen. I was preaching, just to give you, I was preaching for Brother Jesse uh, Galindo here, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago, whatever it was. My wife was with me. And during the course of that, of that service, I said, um, I, see, I see some law enforcement people, not here to arrest anybody, don't get nervous, but I said, I see them in your church. I just saw him, he was at our symposium on the Apostles' Doctrine, and he just, he just told me, he said, Brother Mayo, I almost called you, it was unbelievable, we had uh, a man that was a sheriff, a man that was some, I don't know, FBI, I don't know what it was, but they're already starting to come in. God has people already he's got his eye on that he wants to bring into this place. If we will stay in alignment, God will do the drawing. God's got angels already postured. They are reaping angels. They are on assignment. Just don't get political. Just don't get worldly. Just don't compromise. Just don't worry about what everybody thinks. Just do the will of God. And God will do the rest. And so the Apostle Paul 
gets a vision, and it's a man in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And I don't know if they ever really even met this man. I don't, he doesn't have an identity, doesn't, I don't, the Apostle Paul doesn't make it clear what his name is, his identity, his whereabouts, what kind of house he lives in, what side of town he's on, whether he's unemployed or not. But he believed that this was from God. And so he said, we, we packed up and went to Macedonia. Well, when he got there into Macedonia, they were having a prayer meeting. And after the prayer meeting, there's a woman that shows up with a spirit. And you know you're having revival when women show up with spirits. Hallelujah. What are you laughing at? Well, they're having a prayer meeting, and a woman shows up, and she starts following Paul around and, and saying, these are the men that preach to us the way of truth. And Paul gets tired of this and turns around and rebukes the spirit of divination out of her by the authority of the name of Jesus. You see, God, even though this woman was saying the truth, God will not use an unclean or an impure vessel to proclaim to He doesn't need television. He doesn't need Hollywood. He doesn't need halftime at Super Bowl. God is not going to use unclean agency even if they're telling the truth. And so the spirit comes out of this woman and her men that were that were making gain from her, okay? They said, well, this woman was being used as a part of the false worship here. And so the Apostle Paul and those that were with him, Paul, it was Silas was with him. I think even Timotheus was with him at that point. They drew him in. They got in all kinds of trouble in the city. They ended up beating the Apostle Paul. They put him into prison. But you don't ever put a preacher in prison and expect him to stay there for doing the will of God. Because if you end up in prison for doing the will of God, God's going to have a visitation and you're going to have revival in a cell block. You say, well, we'll just put the man of God in a cave. He can shut the mouth of a lion in a cave. We're just going to put him in the grave. Jesus went to the spirits in prison and preached to the spirits in prison. You can preach your way out of hell. You can praise your way out of a prison. And you can pray your way out of a cave. You ain't going to keep this preacher down. And so the apostle Paul when he gets out of prison, after absolutely this entire community coming against him because the men that were the handlers of this demon-possessed woman, they saw that their finances were upset. Everything, the city was in chaos because the truth had come. The reason why that is so important to us is because ultimately the Apostle Paul was allowed to go to Ephesus at the tail end of Acts chapter number 18. And then going into Acts chapter number 19, you will see verses 1 through 6. The Apostle Paul comes there. He finds certain disciples of John. He just point blank asks them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? That's what we need to be asking people in our day and age. Have you received the whole? And I'm not into this sell them a Honda, sell them a Honda, sell them a Honda. One brother said, when you get together, God's people are in one accord. Yeah, but when they're in that accord, they're not saying sell them a Honda. They're really speaking in tongues. Please forgive me for that. That's bad. But this charismatic quackery is not the real deal. When you get the real Holy Ghost, you'll flick your cigarettes. You'll get the television out. You'll get delivered from internet pornography. You'll get a prayer life. You'll come out from among them. 
and you'll be on your way to heaven. And so we finally, the Apostle Paul finally gets to Ephesus in Acts chapter number 19, and he begins a thunderous revival with 12 converts that are all speaking in other tongues and prophesying as they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells me, and this continued by the space of two years in 19 and 10, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the, war, the word of the Lord Jesus, both the Jews and Greeks. The revival that the Apostle Paul brought to Ephesus was so thunderous that people that were into New Age and all kinds of philosophies and vain uh, traditions and false religions, they burned their books. But the greatest thing that happened was that the Apostle Paul, as he preached, there were people being converted from the false worship of the temple Diana. And what happened was is there were people that were in that city that were making little figurines of a woman named Aphrodite and Diana, and they were it was a it was a miniature shrine. And as people were becoming apostolic, they were turning from false worship to worshiping the true God. Why is this important? Because when people started getting saved and turning from false to truth, it affected the finances of that entire region. And it brought the city into chaos. Where did Paul first experience that? Paul would not have been ready for that if he had gone directly there in Acts. You have to understand Ephesus was the pinnacle of all the cities in Asia Minor. And Paul would not have been ready to go to Asia Minor in Acts chapter 16. God wanted him to go to Macedonia and get the experience of what it was like to turn that area upside. Clap your hands and give God the praise. God has a sequential revival that is going to affect this entire region. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him real praise. You're a part of something big. You're on the ground floor to something massive, something that's universal, something from another world. read through Acts chapter 19, when you get home, you will see that it turned that city literally upside down to where they drew Paul and his cohorts into the marketplace. And the Bible said that the crowd was so tenacious. It was, it was literally a mob. And he said it was absolute total confusion, confusion because some were screaming at the top of their lungs about Diana. And the other half was screaming at the top of their lungs, Jesus. And sometimes there has to be a face-off over the principalities and powers. This is why the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's some of the most profound spiritual view of anywhere in the epistles because he got that at Ephesus. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. My battle is not with you. It's not with City Hall. It's not with people that are running an alcohol store. But it's principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places and the rulers of darkness of this present world. He learned that in Ephesus. Clap your hands and give God the praise. first year in Spokane, our very first service in Spokane, Washington, um, there was a man there that had to sign special paperwork to be released from Sacred Heart Hospital. He was dying of emphysema. He was in the latter stages of emphysema, and he showed up at our church with about 30 of his family members. 
I've never seen these people in my life. I showed up for church and thought, man, this is instant revival. My wife can tell you, every single chair was filled in that little build, in that little room. It was a sliver of the size of this sanctuary here. 700 square feet was our first uh, church. And um, it was filled with people. This man received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in our very first service. And his emphysema went into remission. I baptized him in a whirlpool on the seventh floor of the hospital the very next day. And that started an incredible revival. We ended up baptizing probably close to 30 of his family members, many of them getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So he walked out of the hospital, the hospital he was supposed to die in, and almost immediately after he got out, I told him, I said, now, Don, I said, uh, you and Gina need to get married. And he kind of rolled his eyes, and we just left it there. And the next week, I, I said, you know, Don, um, you and Gina, they were a little older. Um, I said, you guys need to get married because the Bible says that fornication is a sin. And so the very next week after that, I, I pressed him and I said, no, this is going to be an issue. Because God, I'm, I'm on God's side. Don't ever expect your pastor to take your side against God. I don't care. The word of God is true in every situation. And let every man be a liar. So finally I said, Don, if you don't marry her, you're going to have to. It was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. I loved those people. And that church that had been loud and proud and jumping around and having great church got more quiet and more quiet and more quiet. The second year that I was in Spokane, I lost 70% of what we had. And God spoke to me and said, get the televisions out. I was just trying to keep this little group intact, and the Holy Ghost said, it's time. So I got up, and I taught. I preached. I, did just, I didn't get up and pull my sword and hack everybody in pieces. I got up and talked about, you know, Hollywood does not represent the things of God. It never ha has. It never will. It defiles you. It defiles all the channels that God wants to use. The eye gate, the ear gate. Your mind, your heart. And um, so finally I got up and I said, you know, this is going to be a Hollywood free church. I love you. You know I love you. I feel like you love me. But this is where we draw the line. And if you're not willing to get rid of your, your televisions, your big screens, whatever you want to call them, you're going to have to find another church. And we lost 70%. For those of you that are the money counters, I lost two of my biggest tithe payers. So I went from doing real good to thinking about maybe going back and getting a job. No regrets. I'm there for God. I'm not there for me. God's the one that put me there. I would have never dreamed starting a church from scratch in a place I've never been with nobody I've ever met. Okay, some of you ex-Twilight Zone fans, that's from the Twilight Zone. Nerny, 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 nerny. Nobody's there to hold my hand. Nobody's there to send me weekly offerings. My wife never complained one time because we were just thrilled to be doing the will of God. Between year three and four, my wife and I have talked about this many times, I think it was almost... 
a year or over a year. I could not get one Bible study, and I never baptized one person. I remember going to the church to pray, and there was a voice that just mocked me the whole time I was trying to pray, saying, it's too hard, 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 it's too hard. I went home, and I told my wife, and I said, honey, all I heard was a voice that said, it's too hard, it's too hard. She said, I heard the exact same voice. The minute you left, it started talking to me too. At somewhere after that, at some time almost immediately after that, I got a call from a Pentecostal headquarters in Missouri that said that there is a Filipino man in North Spokane that wants a Bible study and wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. What happened? I was overcoming the things that all the other Pentecostal churches had failed at. Some of them had open fornication. Some of them had Hollywood. And some just closed their doors because it took too long to get any results. Because we had gone to that point. God said, you broke through into a whole nother level. We now have ten different cultures in our church. And we're looking at our fifth building. Somebody clap your hands and give God the praise. It's sequential. You have to, like the rings of a tree. But you have to go through it. You have to challenge the spiritual forces of darkness that are there. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Your problem is not your brother. Your problem is not your sister. Your problem is not anybody that's flesh and blood. There's a spirit that has to be defeated and pushed back because God is going to have a church. Hallelujah. Somebody said praise the Lord. Why is this so important? Because when the Apostle Paul finally got to Ephesus and thunderous revival broke out, thunderous revival did break out. Listen to what Revelation says. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, and you have them listed as Ephesus, that was the chief church. Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. The Apostle Paul never went to one of those cities except for Ephesus. And this is why God told him, don't go to Ephesus yet. Because you need the experience of what's going to happen in Macedonia. So that when you do go to Ephesus, you're going to understand. These people, it's not that you're fighting flesh and blood. You're fighting a spirit of divination. You're fighting false worship. You're fighting spirits not just of a city, but of a geographical location. And then there were men that were saved in that church in Ephesus that said, we need a church in Laodicea. We need a church in Philadelphia. We need one over in South Lake Tahoe. We need over in Fallon. We need one of I'm preaching to this congregation that God did not bring this man here to just affect this city, but to affect a region. Clap your hands and give God the praise. And they're going to buckle and forces will fall and spiritual wickedness will be driven back and God will have great regional revival that will change this world. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Come on, let's really praise him. You're part of something big. You're part of something great. You're part of something wonderful. You're part of something glorious. You're part of something from another world. There are some of you in this church that God has already talked to you about going to the next level, but you're counting the cost. 
if you will, if you'll stick with God on this, you will end up at a level that you've never dreamed where you would find yourself. There's some people I could point you out. I could point you out. God has already talked to you about going to the next level with this pastor. And where you're going to end up will blow your mind. My wife and I, Cornerstone started out in a church that was probably about the size of here and then like over to here and then just, just this room right here. Today, we have a $5 million building on the interstate. And we're looking at our fifth building. I'm not bragging. I'm in the will of God. And we're starting churches everywhere. God is leading people to us. Like your pastor. When I first saw him, he was a little kid. 14 years old. He was a goodly young man. He dug in. He got the real thing. He was our youth pastor. He was an exemplary youth pastor. He was an exemplary evangelist. He was an exemplary, and he's going to be an exemplary pastor. It's not going to stop in his path. He's going to take this thing to the next level. You're not going to stick around here. God's got plans already. God's got plans longer than you can live. God just wants to know if you'll stay the course. The reason why a lot of people don't get what God has for them, they don't stay the course. The church at Ephesus, you may be seated. The church at Ephesus went on to be one of the crown jewels, apostolic churches of the New Testament, had over 60,000 members. It became pastored by the very first preacher that was raised in a troubled home. Timothy was the very first minister in the New Testament that came from a blended household. His father was a Gentile. His mother and his grandmother were Jews. And he grew up knowing in that culture and in that day and age what it was like to live in a household where your mom is not supposed to be married to a Gentile. But Timothy became the pastor. He's the only young man that we see that rose up the ranks and became the pastor of one of the most powerful churches in the entirety of the Word of God. And I feel the same way about this man right here. It was Ephesus. Ephesus. Ephesus was the threshold to the great revival that pushed into the end time that got the last remaining will and testament of Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God the praise. It's beyond this four walls. It's beyond what you can see. It's beyond what you can feel. It's be, come on, let's lift our hands. I pray that God will put something upon us that's from another world that will touch us deeply, that will move us, that will prompt us, that will convict us, that we've dwelt around this mountain long enough and it's time to go higher. It's time to go deeper. Come on, let's pray. Lift your hands and let's pray. In fact, if it's, if it's applicable, why don't you, everybody in this building, why don't you come up and stand around the front right now for just several moments. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. There's going to be beasts at Ephesus. Alexander the coppersmith, there's going to be all kinds of people. Some people said that he was a coppersmith. He was one of the guys that made those little figurines. There's going to be people, but God's going to stand with you. Even if, if the, Paul said, all men, at, at the first time that I got up and I had to speak, no man stood with me. But he said, the Lord stood with me. And the reason why the Lord stood with him is because God put him there. God said, you're right where you're supposed to be at the time you're supposed to be there. The key is to be where you're supposed to be at the time that you're supposed to be. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. It's a sense of timing, divine timing.
Inamohotai, not chronology, but the Kairos. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his man to Ephesus to shake the principalities, to shake the powers, to shake the rulers of darkness of this present world. God pour out something on this congregation that is from another world, something revelatory, something glorious, something deep, a nail in a sure place, something from another world. on the shoulder of your neighbor and pray for one another if it's appropriate. Brother to brother, sister to sister, husband to wife, let's pray in the name of Jesus. 2019, we're under the direction of the Holy Ghost. No blunders, no mistakes, no half-guesses, no half-stepping. I'm going to follow God. We're at the threshold of the end times. You are my strength and my glorified by welfare. He's glorified by taking a zero and start adding things. I give you everything. Let's give God the praise. Come on. God wants I'll to elevate you. God's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to leave you where you're at.
That's it, all across the building. Lift up your hands and let's pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, God's been preparing some of you for greater things. God's been working in your life because God's got a greater plan. Doesn't matter what you face, what challenges have been. Lift up your voice and let's pray all across this building. God, as we leave this year behind, we're moving forward into the next. God, and we are, we are believing you, Jesus, that you're going to raise some people up. You're going to anoint some people like they've never been anointed. You're going to use people like they've never been used before. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you pray and worship the Lord.